Welcome to another episode of Bar Chat Shorts. These are shorter episodes taken from the Diageo Bar Academy Bar Chat podcast, longer recordings that you will not find in the original episodes. Bonus material, if you like. On this episode of Shorts, I am talking again to Evan Strove and James Wood. And on this particular short, we found some of the best bits of our conversation around strategies for using foraged ingredients. Hope you enjoy it. Evan, can you talk a little bit about sort of best strategies for using foraged ingredients? Um, Not necessarily like in cocktail applications specifically, but in terms of extracting their flavor, preserving them, all that kind of stuff. Yep. I think uh, there's a, there's a bit of a process and a journey. So this all of this knowledge is relatively new to most people. So you know, ensuring that you connect with local forager or someone who kind of runs your community garden around the corner, or someone who can identify the produce in the first place and 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 give you that knowledge. You know, you have you have to kind of start there. They can also teach you how to forage responsibly and ethically. Um, here in Sydney, there's there's kind of two main people who offer workshops and, and, you know, community tours and that kind of thing. And that's the greatest addition ever to a staff training program because you get to see the, the eyes of your staff members light up. It's almost like that kind of childhood primitive thing we were talking about earlier. It's the disbelief that these things are there. So starting starting with a, a foundation in terms of utilizing the produce itself it obviously depends on what what that is and um and you know what what season you're in but it's essentially the same as using a pineapple in my eyes you find a method and and process that allows the best of that ingredient to speak for itself um a good example at the moment we've got we've got a bunch of fresh flowers, fresh jasmine, all chocker block full of essential oils. Um, so maybe finding a medium, uh, an oil based medium or a fat based medium. So whether you're milk washing a cocktail or fat washing a cocktail that you can infuse herbs and flowers into, that might be a really good idea. Speaking from an Australian perspective, a lot of our uh, native produce is quite sour and and bitter and astringent. So most of the time we'll require sugar to balance that out, but that sugar also kind of heightens the unique um, the unique flavors of that produce. And then in terms of preservation, a lot of the a lot of the time at the bar we ha- we have a very specific volume that we can put out to customers. We might be busy, we might be quiet. Uh, and a lot of the time there's more produce that we can handle and fermentation and preservation and distillation of such huge things at the moment. Uh, thank guys for that, but everyone's kind of pumping out their own kombuchas and lacto ferments. And I think that can only, I think that can only be a positive thing. You know, you've got the, the beauty of in season produce that you might not necessarily. I'm so why not? preserve that you know for the coming months it, it it makes makes a lot of sense so do you have a standard ferment or a standard go-to so let's say you go out and you find 50 kilogram of lily pilly 
<laughs> I love the name. Yeah. <laughs> Let's say you go out and yeah. you find absolutely masters of that. Would you have a standard you would go back to regardless of what ingredient might be? Are you going to make kombucha out of it each time? Is that like a fallback option almost? Kombucha, kombucha is pretty good because it's it's a pretty straightforward application behind sell it as a non-alcoholic option for people or you can use it in a cocktail in some way. Vinegars are also really good, whether you whether you make a wine out of lily pilly and then transform that into a vinegar or whether it's just a straight vinegars have really, really good shelf lives. Um, wines as well, we make a lot of kind of uh, in-house, in-house wines, so often using wild yeast, often using kind of commercial yeast cultures possibility possibilities are endless i mean i think the probably the one we the one we use uh most behind the bar for long term for long term storage would be a vinegar which then you can transform transform into essentially just a vinegar syrup a sweetened vinegar kombucha for a little bit of a, a shorter turnaround but those are probably the main the main ones that we use Good stuff, James. Have you, you mean you work with um, restaurants and bars? Is there anything you've seen in particular where it's a particularly great use of the ingredient or an innovative um, way of incorporating it into food and drink? So there's a standard that we have. If we get, if we over harvest, because from the the supply side, we work off a predicted harvest. So we'll say, you know, last week we expected this amount of product to go out. So we plan for the next week to be quite similar. And we harvested that prediction, but you know, I mean, you'll know yourself, you work in a bar or restaurants or sometimes want X amount two hours ago, and then next week they decide they don't want it from you, or they might want it from a different supplier, or they just don't want it all out at all. It's come off the menu, but haven't, they haven't told the, the harvesters <laughs> that it's come off the menu mm-hmm. until about five minutes before we're supposed to deliver it. Um, so yeah, we, 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 we definitely do that. <laughs> our, our standard is... Um, it's like a, it's a lacto ferment, but it's not quite a lacto ferment. So we use a high amount of uh, salt in it. So we'll go up to about an eight percent salt brine is what we'll ferment in, and it doesn't. It ferments very light. It's very light ferment, but it ends up making more of like a. It's weird. It's almost like a bouillon, almost like a like mm. a base. So we'll do it with like wild. We'll do it with any of our wild herbs. It'll get churned up, eight percent salt, and then we'll keep it in tubs. And you can get slightly different herby flavors out of them, but it's really good for a base. So if you're making a stock, fantastic. Just to take a couple of scoops out of there as a base. Yeah, it sounds like miso-y um, in a way, like salty and slightly yeah, acidic. Yeah, it almost and, is. Mm, mm, yeah. yeah, but for us, that's mm. a great backup because we know it. You know, shelf life on it. We have to put six months, but everyone who gets it knows it's pretty much indefinite shelf life, even at room temperature. Nice, good stuff. Yeah, preservation is so important because, like you say, everything comes in at once and you kind of like, we've got way too much of this stuff. What are we going to do with it all? So you've got to have these plans in place to get it stable. Um, and then obviously you can use it for, for weeks, months, years to come. If you liked that little taster, then do make sure you check out the full episode because it was a great one. Don't forget to subscribe, share, like this podcast, and we will see you next time.